Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to this bonus episode of our sermon podcast. Today is Christmas Eve, and we couldn't let this special time pass without sharing with you a message about what Christmas is all about. So in this episode, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be exploring the story of the shepherds and their involvement in the nativity, and we're going to see what this story has to tell us about the meaning of Christmas. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. The snow was falling, covering everything the eye could see with a blanket of white. The temperatures was dropping, and had been below freezing long enough that even the local pond had turned to ice. And two little boys stepped out of their nice warm home so they could go and meet with their friends and go ice skating. As these two little boys walked along a snow-covered street that hadn't been salted or shoveled at all, their conversation wasn't focused on their snow day. No, their conversation focused on what every little kid seems to be focused on this time of year. Their conversation was focused on Christmas. And one of these little boys, named Charlie, looks at his friend and he says, I think there must be something wrong with me. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I might be getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating a tree and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. This is, of course, the opening scene of the classic Christmas movie, A Charlie Brown Christmas. And as the movie continues to play out, we start to understand why Charlie Brown feels like he just doesn't understand Christmas. Whether it's his friend, Lucy, complaining about the fact that she never gets what she really wants for Christmas, which is real estate, by the way, or his dog, Snoopy, competing in the super-colossal Christmas light and display contest in their neighborhood for the chance to win money, 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 or his own sister Sally telling Santa Claus that he can bring her 10 or $20 bills if her extravagant wish list is just too much to manage. It's plain to see that the consumerism of Christmas is getting to Charlie Brown. Of course, the funny thing is that the consumerism and commercialism of Christmas is getting to good old Charlie Brown all the way back in 1965. 1965. That was 48 years before people spent their entire Black Friday lined up in the cold just to have a chance to bring home an Xbox One or a PS4. This was 33 years before parents flocked to toy stores all in an attempt to find a creepy little toy with giant eyes that we call a Furby for their kids. This was 31 years before people literally got into fistfights over Tickle Me Elmo dolls. It was 29 years before middle schoolers everywhere became obsessed with little cardboard discs called Pogs. And it was 15 years before the very first toy craze caught on at Christmas over some cube that a guy named Rubik's invented. All of this took place back in the 60s. The 60s were the same decade that gave us some of our all-time favorite Christmas movies like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and How the Grinch Stole Christmas and even Mr. Magoo's A Christmas Carol. The 60s were a decade when Norman Rockwell was still painting Christmas scenes for the Saturday Evening Post. The 60s were a decade when kids' Christmas lists were highlighted by things like Barbie dolls and board games that might cost their parents five or six bucks instead of video game systems that could set their parents' back five or six hundred dollars. Now, it's now almost 60 years later when so many parents seem to start stocking up on Christmas gifts for their kids before their kids even start back to school after summer vacation. It's almost quaint to hear Charlie Brown complaining about the commercialism of Christmas in a Charlie Brown Christmas. 
But the truly amazing thing is that we've been complaining about the commercialism of Christmas and trying to remind people of the reason for the season since long before Charlie Brown ever graced the comic section of our newspapers. And when I say long, I mean long. We're not talking about a year or two or a decade or two. We're not even talking about a century or two. When I say long, we're talking about a time long before the Declaration of Independence was even signed. We're talking about a time long before Christopher Columbus ever dared to sail the ocean blue. We're talking about a time long before Gutenberg invented the printing press. We're talking about a time long before Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of a Wittenberg church. So just how long ago are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a time nearly 800 years ago. You see, it was back in 1223 that St. Francis of Assisi came up with an idea that would help people return their focus to Jesus at Christmas instead of being focused on the tradition of giving gifts. And by the way, the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas time goes back more than 1600 years. But Francis came up with this idea and he petitioned the Pope at the time, Pope Honorus III, to allow him to host a special worship service on Christmas Day inside of a cave in the Italian city of Grecio. And the reason why St. Francis petitioned the Pope to allow this to happen was that Francis knew that the church in Grecio wasn't large enough to hold the capacity crowd that would come to celebrate Midnight Mass on Christmas Day. So, with Pope Honorus III's permission, St. Francis moved his congregation out to a cave. But that's not all that he did. He also brought along with him an ox and a donkey and a manger that was filled with hay. So on that Christmas day, almost 800 years ago, St. Francis created the very first nativity scene. The same nativity scenes that we still put up underneath our Christmas trees today. The same nativity scenes that we put out on display in front of our church buildings this time of year. So the nativity scene has been around for almost 800 years. And it was created to help people focus on the birth of Jesus this time of year. And the reality is that over the years, the nativity scene has done a pretty good job of helping us all focus on the true meaning of Christmas. I mean, there just seems to be something about seeing Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus laying in the manger that reminds us of the sacredness of this season. But if we're being completely honest, sometimes when we look at the nativity scene today, it feels so far removed from the world that we live in right now that it's easy to forget that on that first Christmas, the sacred became part of the secular. The divine became part of the mundane. The creator became part of his creation. And I think this is why there was one particular nativity scene that I saw earlier this Christmas season that stood out to me so much. Now, we're going to show you a picture of this particular nativity scene in just a few minutes. But I ran across the scene not that long ago, just a few weeks ago, as I was scrolling through my social media feed. And I want to go ahead and warn you, before we put this picture up on the screen, that when you look at it, you're going to find something in this nativity scene that doesn't quite belong there. Now, we're going to give you the chance to find that for yourself. And when you see it for yourself, I don't want you to call it out. I want everybody to have the chance to find it. So let's go ahead and put the picture up on the screen for everyone to see. And again, as you're looking at this picture, what you're trying to find is what doesn't belong in the nativity scene. Again, don't shout it out when you see it. Give everybody a chance to find it for themselves.
All right, if you haven't been able to spot what doesn't belong in this nativity scene for yourself yet, let me give you a little hint. You need to look directly beside Mary. And when you look directly beside Mary, what you'll find in this nativity scene is everybody's favorite Jedi master. That's right, visiting baby Jesus, Yoda is. But I know what you're probably wondering after seeing this particular nativity scene. What in the world does Yoda have to do with the birth of Jesus? Well, the easy answer to that question is absolutely nothing. Yoda has absolutely nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. And that's because we all know that Jesus was born in a certain year, and he was born on a certain day, and he was born at a certain time. We also know that there were certain people that were there when Jesus was born, and that there were likely at least a few animals around as well. And what that means is that if somehow, someway, someone that was there for the first nativity, the day that Jesus was born, had a smartphone in their pocket, they would have been able to take a picture of the whole thing and share it on their Instagram story. But the problem is that nobody was there with a smartphone in their pocket. There aren't any pictures from that first Christmas day. And I wasn't there to know exactly what happened. But I do feel pretty confident telling you that there weren't any Star Wars characters that were there the day that Jesus was born, either. So... So why is Yoda put in this nativity scene? Well, I honestly don't know. I just assume that some kid put their action figure down inside of the nativity scene and their, their parents took a picture that they posted on social media. But I do know why this particular nativity scene stood out to me so much when I saw it earlier this year. And it's for the simple fact that when you see Yoda in the nativity scene, it's crystal clear that he does not belong there. And that reminds me of the fact that the story of Jesus' birth has always included people who don't belong. The story of Jesus' birth has always included people who didn't belong there. And if you'll take a look at Luke chapter 2 with me, I can show you exactly what I mean. Now, Luke, the book of Luke is basically just a biography of Jesus. So inside of the book of Luke, we will find stories about Jesus' birth and his baptism. We'll find stories about Jesus' ministry and the miracles that he performed. We'll find stories about Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. But today, we're going to take a look at the story of the very first people who came to visit Jesus after he was born. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 2 together. We'll start reading in verse 8. Here's what Luke writes. He writes, Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The angel of the Lord stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring you good news, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped in snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel, praising God. They said, Glory to God in heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say that when most of us imagine the nativity scene, the, the actual day when Jesus was born, none of us picture Star Wars characters being there. 
But it's also safe to say that it's almost impossible to imagine the nativity scene without the shepherds being there. I mean, it just doesn't feel like a nativity if you don't have that one young shepherd cradling a small lamb in his arms. And it doesn't feel like a nativity scene if there's not that slightly older shepherd who's leading a few ewes from his flock to stand beside the makeshift bedside of Jesus. But these depictions that we see of shepherds inside of our nativity scenes today, they aren't exactly accurate. Now, don't get me wrong. Shepherding was a once proud and noble profession for the people of Israel. It was a calling that was handed down from the forefathers of our faith. So that means that everyone from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, all the way down to Moses, were shepherds. But something changed when the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt that shifted folks' perception on this once proud profession of shepherding. And what happened was that Egyptian was a far more agrarian society than the Israelite society was. And that meant that the people in Egypt felt that their land was better used to grow food that people could eat rather than using that same land for sheep or other livestock to graze on. And what happened was that shepherds got pushed down the social ladder inside of ancient Egypt. And it didn't take long before this once proud profession found themselves pushed to the fringes of just about every ancient culture. And that's why the shepherds found themselves where they did in the passage we just read from the book of Luke. It's why they found themselves standing out in the fields on a winter's night that was so deep. They were out in the fields, watching over their flocks at night, and they were far from the thoughts of just about anyone else in all of Israel. The reality is that most people in Israel never thought about shepherds at all. And the only time that they did is if shepherds either inadvertently or intentionally took their flocks to graze on somebody else's land, land that they didn't own. And it's because of this dishonest streak that was common amongst the shepherds that Israel actually passed laws that would not allow people to buy wool or milk or a kid, as in a baby sheep or goat, not an actual human child, from directly from shepherds. Because it was believed that if you bought directly from a shepherd, you were likely buying stolen property. So, as we look at the nativity scene that we commonly see to this day, if there's ever anybody who didn't seem to belong in that scene, it was the shepherds. The shepherds were less than nobody. The shepherds were considered to be crooks and criminals, and they lived on the fringes of Israelite society. The shepherds were treated like they were less than human, and they had basically no rights at all. Or to put it in another way for you, there were so many other people who seemed to belong at Jesus' bedside when he was born more than the shepherds did. There were kings and queens who should have been there when Jesus was born more than the shepherds. There were religious leaders and devout priests who belonged at Jesus' side, deserved to be there more than the shepherds. There were magi, wise men from the east, and elderly people who were keeping vigil in the temple who deserved to be there when Jesus was born more than the shepherds did. But even though there were plenty of people who deserved to be at Jesus' side when he was born far more than the shepherds did, probably wasn't anyone in all of Israel who needed to be there after Jesus was born more than the shepherds did. And that's because the shepherds, the shepherds were thought so little of in their world. Most people didn't even realize that the shepherds existed 
They lived in a world where people didn't realize they even existed. The shepherds lived in a world where they were treated with contempt by just about everyone they met. The shepherds lived in a world where they were hated simply because of their occupation. And the shepherds lived in a world where they didn't have much in their lives to be happy about at all. But on that night, when Jesus was born, and the angels came to the shepherds and invited them to be the first people to come and see the newborn king of the Jews, all of that changed. When the shepherds were invited to be the first to come and see Jesus, it no longer mattered if no one else in the world knew that they existed, because God knew they existed. On that night, it didn't matter if everyone else in the world treated them with contempt, because God treated them like honored guests. On that night, it didn't matter if everyone else in the world hated them for no other reason than they were shepherds. Because on that night, God showed them how much he loved them. On that night, it no longer mattered if they had nothing else in their lives to be happy about. Because on that night, the shepherds were there when joy came to the world. So there may not have been anyone else in all of Israel who needed to be there at Jesus' makeshift bedside after he was born more than the shepherds. And the reality is that there is no one else that you and I need to be there at Jesus' side after he was born more than we need the shepherds to be there. And that's because when the angels came and they invited the shepherds to be the first ones to go and meet baby Jesus, God showed us what Christmas is all about. When God invited the shepherds to be the first ones to come and meet Jesus, the shepherds, people who didn't belong anyplace else in the world around them, God showed us what Christmas is all about. And what Christmas is all about is the reminder that we all belong. Christmas is a promise that we all belong. Christmas is a promise that we all belong. You belong. You belong. Christmas tells us that God didn't just come into this world for kings and queens. God came into this world for you. Christmas tells us that God didn't just come into this world for priests and for pastors. God came into this world for you. Christmas tells us that God didn't just come into this world for wise men and for angels. God came into this world for you. So as we get ready to celebrate Christmas this year, we need to remember what Christmas is all about. Christmas tells us that God loves us, that God loves you so much that he sent his son into this world to become one of us so that Jesus can experience all of the ups and all of the downs, all of the highs, all of the lows, all of the joys, all of the sorrows that it means to be human. So that there can be no doubt that God understands what it's like to be one of us. Christmas also tells us that God loves us so much that he was willing to send Jesus into this world to endure the very worst that humanity has to offer when Jesus would ultimately hang on the cross and die for us so that God can forgive us, so that nothing can separate us from him. So as we get ready to celebrate Christmas this year, as you get ready to spend time with your family and with your friends, whether you're doing it tonight or tomorrow or over the next few days, don't forget what Christmas is really about. What Christmas is about is how much God loves you. And God loves you so much that God wants you to know that you always belong 
with him. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we are just so thankful for the story of Christmas. We are so thankful that Jesus came into this world for us. And we're so thankful that you invited people just like us to be the first to come and see Jesus. Because God, you know that sometimes we all feel like we're outsiders. Sometimes we all feel like we live on the fringe of society. Sometimes we feel like people hate us for no good reason at all. And sometimes we feel like everyone around us treats us with contempt. But God, when the shepherds arrived to stand by Jesus' makeshift bed, as they stood by that manger, they were treated like honored guests. They saw how much you loved us all. So God, remind us that you feel the same way about each of us that you felt about the shepherds, that you want us to be there to celebrate the birth of Jesus, that you want us to know how much you love us, that you came into this world to experience all that our lives have to offer so that nothing can keep us from you. God, help us to celebrate what Christmas is all about. And never forget that this season is all about how much you love us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this sermon has reminded you of what Christmas is all about. Because Christmas is a promise that you belong. You belong, and you will always belong with God. So as you're getting together with your family, with your friends, and you're celebrating Christmas, never forget what this day is truly about. Jesus entered into this world because God loves you that much. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a very Merry Christmas. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.